by no one's demand but our own. From our home office here in sunny, scenic, chilly Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. Still quarantined. It is the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by Two Rivers Ford, and you know it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Happy Tuesday, friends. I hope your holidays went very well. I hope you got to spend some time with friends and loved ones, safe and socially distanced. Of course, I know that your football weekend probably did not go to plan, given what the results of Sunday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers were. We're going to talk about that today with former Titans safety Blaine Bishop. We're going to talk specifically about the defense. Then we're going to switch gears a little bit towards the end of the pod, and we're going to talk about the bombing that happened on Christmas morning with Josh Breslow of WKRN News 2. He did some exceptional reporting along with many of our friends over there at WKRN, and we felt it important today to include it as a part of the podcast. This is the 615 Sessions, and we need to talk about the important goings-on in the 615. We also need to talk about the people who have committed to each and every day, through every hardship that our local community has been through, to keep Music City on track. That's Two Rivers Ford. And it's not just because I work with them and I love working with them that I tell you these things, but it's because they have shown a legitimate commitment to keeping Nashville and Middle Tennessee on track as best it can be through these difficult times. It's been a hell of a year. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this. It's, it's been a tornado. It's been a pandemic. Now this bombing downtown about a mile from where I live that has hurt so many of our local businesses and, uh, and, pe- and residents and just threatened our very existence as a city. The reason that I like working with Two Rivers Ford, that I love working with Two Rivers Ford, is because of this commitment that they show to support the Middle Tennessee community through difficult times. It's things like the Drive the Music Nashville Initiative that was started to help support local independent music venues in Nashville. It's not just about what they do for the local sports teams, because they do that as well, but it's about what they do to help bring us together and help keep us on our feet as a city, as a county, as a, as a part of the country. Two Rivers Ford has always been there for the last almost 40 years, not just providing you great service and a great car buying experience with their non-commissioned sales staff, but just helping us move on and move forward through these difficult times. They have a bunch of great things coming out in 2021. We all have good things to look forward to, a fresh start to look forward to here in 2021, because there will be one more podcast that we will do in this godforsaken year, and then we hope to move on. We hope to get through this, and we will do it with the help of our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Head out to Mount Juliet, give them a look, meet their non-commissioned sales staff, test drive a 2021 Ford Bronco, if you so choose. They have them on the lot right now, or go online and check out everything that they have to offer you at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Blaine Bishop, and then we'll talk with Josh Breslow before we get to five good minutes here on the 615 Sessions podcast. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the getbeast.com Zoom line where I get my beard oil. 
It is Blaine Bishop of 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time on your radio dial. Blaine, how are we? Well, I was doing really well until uh, I watched the Titans uh, in Lambeau. It it made me just so sick to my stomach. I started getting so nervous that we may not win the last game versus the Texans. I was so hoping, and I never do this, that Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play because I saw he hurt his hand or whatever. And then I'm like, that's wishful thinking. That's desperate thinking. (laughs) So listen, how nervous I'm getting. Brother, desperate times call for desperate measures. That's what uh, the hitman is here to discuss. The Titans got absolutely smacked. Uh, 40 to 14 at Lambeau Field by the fire breathing dragon that is Aaron Rodgers, but mostly, mostly Blaine. Their defensive ineptitude just gouged on the ground. The most rushing yards that the Titans defense has given up all year 234 net. Aaron Rodgers had four passing touchdowns. He completed 84% of his passes. I mean, I, the pride on this defense. You know something about pride as a def- former defensive player for many, many years in this league. Give me something, something with this defense to be proud of. Can you find anything? Ooh. Anything. Well, well, okay. Well, versus the run, Simmons and Daquan, it's bad to say they gave up 200. Uh, I thought Long was running around fierce. Uh and, you know, Butler is always going to be a feisty guy. That's just who he is. Uh, Byard had a lot of tackles, unfortunately. That means he was getting gashed. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard to say anybody did well when that happens. They throw for billions of yards and run for billions of yards. And it just uh, – it was just disappointing. Just the team came out flat. And it wasn't just the defense. It was really the team. that The offense has to carry the team. And they came out flat and threw turnovers and didn't get off to a good start. So – uh, then the defense is out there, multiple, you know, possessions and uh, laid an egg and they couldn't get a turnover from Aaron Rodgers, who's about there baking a cake back there. I mean, it was, it really was, I mean, he was going sideline to sideline. I think a couple of times he just threw the ball because he felt like he supposed to get pressure. <laughs> there, there was no pressure. Blaine, I, I think it was uh, the one of the plays at the end of the half. It, you know, there was maybe like uh, – 15, 16 seconds left, but he is literally, he rolls to his left because he's got all the time in the world to roll. Then he has time again to roll back to his right because the Titans bring four and they're just, you know, there's no, there's nobody getting home at all. They did though, get their 15th sack of the year uh, in a blowout. So, you know, I guess that counts for something. Shane, Shane Ray, I didn't even know what number he was. I had to go look it up. Man, well, listen, I, I'm at the point with the outside linebackers. Like, I'm trying to figure out who the random number 42 with the with the dread, not the dreads, but the long hair is out there. It's Oh, right, Brooke Reed. Yeah. Brooks Reed, who is 110 years old, and I just found out has been on the Titans practice squad. And it's my job to know these things. My job to know these things, Blaine. And I'm sitting here looking down the depth chart trying to figure out who the hell is playing outside linebacker for this team right now. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, with injuries and cuts and disappointment, I think, that, uh, you know, they're just putting out there whoever they can get out there to facilitate some form of a rush, and uh, it's really not. So I, I think uh, a little bit of panic because the Texans, you know, they can be spoiler, uh, and they can um, actually, you know, walk away from the season saying we spoiled the Titans who moved from Houston their season and put them out of the playoffs. 
and they can do all kind of trick plays and everything else. So those are the worst kind of games to go into, by the way, as as a uh, defense for sure. Well, I made I made a a joke that not many Titans fans. I like to joke on Twitter, Blaine. Not everybody appreciates my jokes. I know you appreciate my jokes yes. from time to time, but you got a good sense of humor. Not everybody got a Blaine Bishop sense of humor out there on the internet. So I'm making jokes last night about I love I love the irony of the fact that even though they got 10 wins this year, even though they beat the nine and seven, uh, they got over the nine and seven hump, right. but the Tennessee Titans in week 17 still have a win and in playoff situation. Yes, they do. And, and it's not just to get in the playoffs. It's either you get in and you win the division or you lose and you got to wait for a bunch of other stuff to happen for them to find out if they even make the playoffs as a double-digit team. <laughs> Not everybody thought that joke was funny, Blaine. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, you you think that the team has gotten so much further than it was the last couple of years being 9-7. and seven. And in reality, uh, they are fighting for the division, but they're only one game ahead of where they were before, really, in essence, if they win. Uh, so they're taking uh, baby steps, and it doesn't guarantee anything if they don't. So – they really pretty much are the same team they were the last couple of years, unfortunately. Now, we'll take that what they do in the playoffs, though. So we shall see if they get in, how much damage can they do? Well, that's and that's the thing. You, you said the word panic. And I feel like a lot of a lot of Titans fans and, and hell, I, I don't they won't they won't say that publicly inside the organization. Um, but today uh, it came out that. Uh, Steven Goskowski has been placed on the COVID list. I reported that he has in fact tested positive for COVID-19, which means that he will inevitably not play on Sunday. And now there's a contact tracing situation uh, that could keep some of the players that he has been in close contact with out of the facility. Uh-oh, is that like the punter? Uh, it damn well should be for as uh, for as much time as those guys spend uh, in uh, in uh, close proximity to each other based on the contact tracing devices that they wear. Yes. I don't know how anybody could have a higher uh, contact uh, percentage of contact than the specialists, specifically the long snapper and, and the punter. Yes. Also oh, that uh, once again, the punter and the long, Oh man, it, this is a nightmare. Especially this is, this is not good. I, yeah, I, I am. I, I'm a fan. I'm always going to be a fan of the Titans. And uh, man, I, I pushed the panic button and you know, being a former player. Now, granted, they're not pushing a panic button, but they know this is a must win and uh, they got to play their best. And fortunately, I feel confident that they will. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but every time they lay an egg, they come back and they play well. That doesn't mean they're going to win, but that means they're going to play well. They're not going to go out there and lay an egg. So hopefully that happens. And I think, I think that's a really well-made point, right? Because every, every time, uh, Blaine, I, I, I am exceeded. I'm probably negative to a fault a lot of times. Like I, I got to catch myself from, you know, from being too, it's, it's easy. It's much easier to find the flaws in things oh, than yeah. to make the case. And that, and that's, you know, the, it's, it's laziness from people like me who gas bag for a living, um, and you know, you, it's easier to make the joke and walk away and be like, Hey, yeah, look at that. They suck again, but 10 wins. Am I right? You know, people right. get tired of that, but it's an easy thing to do. You're to your credit though. Um, and, and to the Titans credit, every time that I think they're dead in the water, that I think they're just lame ducks, they come out like after, after the first round of 
positive COVID cases. Mm -hmm. There is no way in hell they should have beat the Buffalo Bills by 26. And they absolutely skunked them. Destroyed them. Destroyed them with no practice time with a, I think it was a 16 day layoff between the last time that they had played a game. And there are multiple instances, not just in this season, but across the tenure of Mike Vrabel as the head coach, where they gather themselves in a way that maybe it isn't tangible, but you can see how much more focused, locked in, passionate they are about what it is that they need to accomplish. And I feel like when you know that the division is on the line against a bad football team that you've already beaten once, albeit in overtime, it's a hard spot to count them out in. Yeah. Well, they beat you know the Texans in overtime at home. Granted, there's no home field advantage, uh, but I, I think there's a little home cooking even with calls, as we saw with the Green Bay game. Uh, that so, eyebrow. I love the eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see how well they come out. Does he take the ball first if he wins the toss? I know people think that's lame, but I want my best – group on the field first I, I get his analogy of you know wanting to have the last drive going in and then coming out but you don't want your offense sitting over cooling off before they even get on the field and the other team is just driving right down the field on you so I'm interested to see if he wins the toss what he does there does he change his thought process because he did it with the Cleveland Browns too as well uh, and I and, you know just to me philosophy is I can't I got to play to win I'm putting my best group out there if, if I win the toss we want to receive. Yeah, for sure. They're the high, they were going into last night. Obviously, they got held well below their average, but they were averaging 31.1 points per game. That, they were the best offense in the league going into Sunday night football. And, and this has been kind of a thing, you know, because we, we, we know the defense stinks, Blaine. We know this. They know this. Even that, you know, they're not going to say that they, that they know their defense stinks, but they know what the, the, the faults are in this football team are. And for example, like against the Ravens where you opt to defer to the second half and everybody knows everybody in the world that knows anything about this particular iteration of the Tennessee Titans knows that the defense isn't going to hold up uh, under strenuous or really even not even strenuous, but any kind of pressure at this point, they have let all manner of quarterbacks absolutely dice them up. And so the logic, what Mike Vrabel is saying, I understand. And, but just Aaron Rodgers, you can't let that guy get out on the field because you know he's going to put up points. And the only reason it was as close as it was because the kicker, they, the both teams had special teams gaffes to start the game. Goskowski kicks it out of bounds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you put Rodgers at the 40, and then the, the Green Bay kicker, Crosby, misses the extra point to give them a full seven point lead to start the game. I just, you gotta, you gotta know your opponent and more importantly, you gotta know yourself in that situation. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you know, that that's happened and I don't understand why they come out flat. I am this, you know, in a game like this televised game, that means a lot. You get to see where you measure up and stack up against one of the better teams in the national football, like who's, you know, going to win the NFC and rep be the number one seed. And you go out there and lay an egg. And I, I man, I, I just baffled. So uh, special teams are bad. Defense was bad. Offense was bad. And that's when you come up with a blowout. I mean, it, you know, offense was bad to a certain extent. Not all day, but you only put up 14 points. So you didn't get up to your normal 30. So it was horrible. You're throwing picks. 
uh, and everything else. And then, man, it didn't even feel like Derrick Henry had 23 carries for 98 yards. I, I, man, I didn't even know he was that close to 100. Maybe you wanted a, a good note and say, hey, let me get two more yards so we can say at least he got 100 yards. At least somebody did well. You know, you know, at least run blocking too. But pass protection, whew, no. That's why you leave tight ends in. That's why you chip block. And I don't know why they thought they could do that. I know they got behind, and at some point you go, okay, we got to air it out. But there's a reason why those guys, uh, you know, it, are worth second string. I mean, quiz. I mean, they, you can't even Nate Davis. I mean, man, they matched up Ladares against him on a couple of ET stunts, and uh, man, oh gosh, yeah, that was it was horrible. I was like, man, these guys look unathletic. Blaine, I've been I've been bitching on Twitter for the better part of a year and a half now about they should have paid Zadarius Smith when they had the opportunity to pay Zadarius Smith. And they didn't want to go as high as the Packers went. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was somewhere around 16 mil a year for a yep. guy of that caliber. He's He's been fantastic. But he's got 12 sacks? Yes. After last night, I believe he is He is over uh, – he is at 12, 12 sacks. Yeah. I need to I need to. And we had 15 as a team, right? Yes. The Tennessee Titans, going into the game, had less sacks than T.J. Watt. They got a 15th sack, so now – them as a team and TJ Watt, they have the same number of sacks. So they say, oh. they've saved faced. They save face a little. <laughs> oh, Speaking of Watt, did you you hear, you know, JJ Watt's rant about playing hard? Well, that's the thing. Uh-oh. Like you're talking about the Texans playing spoilers. They got the they got the the one of the biggest stars in football for the last 10 years yeah. sitting up there in front of the media going viral saying, I don't care if we suck. Go out there and try. Go out there and play. Rally the troops. Beat the Titans. Keep their dumb asses out of the playoffs if we can. It's it is literally Blaine between the kicker, what we know about the defense already, how teams have how teams have figured out. It's not often, but in the losses that they have, four of the five losses that they have, it's been because they don't score in the first quarter. Quarter. And so teams have figured out how to pinpoint that in a variety of different ways. There's no perfect formula to do that, but they know if you can keep the Titans out of the box score, field goals, touchdowns, whatever, you have an opportunity to beat them because once they're trailing, they're going to be chasing all game long because of that defense. All of these things are combined for this week 17, God forbid, winning in situation that they find themselves in. And, you know, people are looking at Adoree Jackson last night like, why, why aren't you better? Why aren't you playing better? <laughs> and Devontae Adams is just absolutely schooling him, and Aaron Rodgers smells blood, and they go right at him for the first touchdown of the game in that regard. But, I mean, Blaine, you played, the, you played in the secondary for, uh, for many, many years in the NFL. People, the expectations should be reasonable with what Adoree Jackson is going to be able to do. He's not going to fix the defense. No, he's not going to fix the defense, uh, but he can help them. And he's still rusty, too. But, I mean, Devontae Adams, I try to tell people that this guy's a top-five receiver in the NFL. I, I think at some point, you're going to be one-on-one. And, uh, you know, he beat him on a lot of different things. I just was wondering where was some help at on, on the field uh, when they're out on the field, you know, not in the red zone area by the end zone. And so I, I was just kind of really interested in that, let alone they, they set it up the Green Bay Packers smart strategy where he had to make some open field tackles versus somebody who weighs like 100 pounds more than him. What he didn't happened? want any parts of that. No. None of that. So um, 
Yeah, we we saw him in the track meet though when he when uh, the guy stepped out of bounds, but they let it go. You saw him run and go chase the guy down. There we see his speed, and that's what he is. He's a speed finesse guy, so he just wants to cover the guys. Well, he can't he can't even do that against the elite, uh, you know, guys. Uh, they're gonna get him, man. Uh, Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers, man, that looked like like they were stealing. It, it was like it was so easy. Matter of fact. It looked like I was out there, and that's bad business. I can't cover a soul right now. And my life depended on it, and that's how easy it was. They made it look easy. It was really embarrassing, really. Well, boy, I don't understand the- why did they match up Butler on them? They weren't going to double them, uh, but they didn't. You know, at least he's going to fight and claw and make it tough and difficult for him. And he did. Uh, he was he was he smacking him around last night when he got the opportunity to get a clean hit on him. I mean, he absolutely like that's the thing that you. That's the thing that that if you're a if you're a Titans fan or if you're somebody who watches this team on a regular basis and, and is tasked with analyzing them like we are, like you see fight from Malcolm Butler, Jeffrey Simmons, David Long, I thought had a, you know, I don't think you can call it a great night. Like you said earlier, it's hard to say that anybody had a great night when you get 40 points hung on you. Um, but there was there was passion from those guys. And then you see plays like the Rashawn Evans, uh, the the first third down that the Titans get them into and they get a stop mm-hmm. on that third down. And I'm, and I'm looking around, I'm like, Hey, look at this. You know, maybe, maybe they got a shot tonight. Maybe right. they, you know, I don't know if they win, but this is good. This is a great sign. And then the flag comes in because Rashawn Evans again, this year cannot be, cannot keep control of his emotions. And Vrabel says it all the time. Now he censored himself last night on the zoom call with us, but he said, you know, in the first iteration of it is don't do dumb shit to hurt the team. Yeah. Rashawn yeah. Evans consistently does dumb shit to hurt the team. Blaine. I don't know what you're about doing. four or five times now. I don't know how many I've lost count. I'd have to go look at the penalties, but he's at two, two substantial one where he got object uh, ejected in Denver first game of the year and made life a lot harder on them as a defense. And then last night where he cost them a critical, uh, third down stop in a, on a team that just cannot for the light. I mean, hell, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. They didn't play more than 10, uh, 10 first downs, last, uh, third downs last night. They didn't need to. They had, Brabel told us today, they had nine plays that accumulated for over 200 yards. They didn't need third down. They just kept rolling through them. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And uh, that he keeps making the mistakes. That's what's really odd here, uh, you know, costing your team. That was always a, big point on defense because especially defense is emotionally driven and you play on emotions. Uh, that's, it's all about getting to the ball and getting there with an attitude. And if you want to do anything that's going to hurt the team, then don't do it. And then you're supposed to protect each other in that position. I don't know if anybody could have protected them uh, from himself, but you always grab your partners along the way to make sure. Cause everybody at some point gets to a point where somebody does something dirty after the whistle doesn't get caught and the second guy gets caught. Uh, so they just, you know, need to man each other and keep everybody in line. I used to say that about Lawan because I liked his nastiness early in his career and everybody else was ripping him. But I, I, I liked it. I said his other buddies were supposed to stop him. You know, they can see it. They're standing right there. It's up to them to hold him back. And you need to protect one another uh, from hurting a team. And then eventually it'll click in. and He'll get it. You know, he, I love the nastiness. And right at the whistle, you hitting somebody or right after the whistle. You know, that's what you want on your team. If he was on your team, that's what you want. As long as you don't get those penalties. Uh, guess what? Kevin Mawai was that guy. He yeah. just always hit you right at the whistle. <laughs> 
Well, that's what Bakhtiari did so well last night. He finished the block. He frustrated Rashawn yeah. Evans. They drew the penalty as a result because he got out of control. And this, this is why this is why you listen to Blaine and Mickey weekdays one to three on one zero four five the zone because I had not I had not considered this and you, and you've you've been you've seen a lot more Titans football than me. I wasn't here for the beginning of Lawan's career, but I remember very much when I first got here. Five years ago, they were talking about Jack Conklin as potentially replacing Taylor Lewan yeah. because he could not play in control because yeah. he was still caught. Hell, up to last year where he has that freak out. I think it was after the Chiefs game, the, the upset in week 10 that they pulled where he's in front of the cameras. We're all in the locker room with him, and he just starts yelling that he's the effing problem uh, with all of this. And since then, and I know he hasn't played a ton of football since then, obviously the injury um, costing him this season. But I wonder that that's a that's a great all that to say that's an excellent case study for Rashawn Evans. Dissimilar players, but mm-hmm. a similar issue and right. similar passion because you don't want you don't want to take that from right. Taylor Lewan right. or from Rashawn Evans. And I don't know I don't know how you coach it. Uh, and I'm you know I'm not a coach, but I don't know how you get them to a place where they're kind of Zen, where they understand the passion and the energy and 100 miles an hour, even if you're making a mistake, but also uh, what, what, what is, what is Eddie, Eddie's famous uh, quote, play with a, play with a controlled rage, Rage, right. Mm -hmm. Controlled rage. I don't know how you get to the controlled rage. Eddie George, I think is a, is a great example of controlled rage. I don't know what you do though. In the meantime, well, the, it's, what is concerning with Evans is this is the first year that this is going on. And we're on what year three or four, three. Yeah. So he's gone, you know, two years without doing any of this. So I don't know That's if he's more frustrated about maybe his play and that he's not happy and he's just not playing up to the ability he thought he could. And maybe it's coming from there because the guy was driving him down the field now past the play and had his hand all up on his throat. Yeah. Well, chop it off, go to the ground, do something to get it off. You know, he, and should the guy have stopped? Yeah, he should have, but he didn't. And they, they're not going to call it. You swing at him and it's over. You get the penalty. Uh, just think about that. Just walk away and get him in between the lines. That was my motto. You, yeah. you keep shot at me? Okay. Wait till the next time. See you, mm-hmm. see you uh, second down, big boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Now, in between the lines, too. I'm going to let you think about it for a while, too, because I'm going to act like I forgot. Well, and yeah, I learned all those tricks of the trade from the legend, Bruce Matthews. I said, man, why, why did you, you bury that guy and then helped him up? He said, oh, I was just telling him he's going to be down there a lot. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> now, that's some serious mental stuff right there now. Uh, what? Yeah. Told him, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you up this time, but you're going to be getting up a lot. Get comfortable down there, brother. You're going to spend a long time down there today. And that's. That's, but that's the thing. Like Mike Vrabel teams are not, or at least to this point, they have not been undisciplined and it's not, it's not a team wide lack of discipline, but this is a hugely crucial position. Even if he's not calling the defensive plays, uh, Rashawn Evans, because David Long and before him, Jayon Brown were the ones that uh, wear the, the green dot, the coach to, uh, player communication, um, that allows them to signal down from the box to the field. And then the player wearing the green dot distributes the play call to the rest of the defense. Rashawn Evans isn't tasked with that. So already he's got that off his plate. If he cannot manage to get his emotions in check, I mean, there's going to be, it's happened several times this year. There's going to be a game if they make it to the postseason 
or somebody's going to take advantage of him. This is the book on this guy now. Even if it hasn't been the past two years, right? Season three, this is who he is. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate. Don't fall for the bait. I mean, that's, that's all this is, is a, you know, bait trap. So you want to get the bait trap and then hurt your team? I mean, somewhere along the way, it's going to click in. I don't know what they, what's the trigger words for them, but I'm sure Vrabel has talked to him numerous times. Even Vrabel on the sideline, did you see him? He oh. pulled his mask down and was like, what the, what you doing? So, yeah, he he is to the, it's, he's at the end of it. He's at wit's end with it now. He, he's like, hey, this, this is enough of this dumbness. <laughs> don't do dumb shit to hurt the team it's a it's a great yeah, quote it's, 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 if only somebody would listen to him uh, i don't know no everybody's listening but but very i mean except uh you know uh evans uh rajad so hopefully he'll get an into the bud man i just i man i feel like he will but man he is definitely showing me that that's not the case because this has been sporadic all season dang not this, not this season they, they keep nah. getting rashawn evans to take the bait. I have gotten Blaine Bishop to take the bait on his vacation to come on this podcast because we could not have Green Bay Packers, Tennessee Titans analysis without the hitman himself. Blaine, I really appreciate uh, you taking some time on this uh, as the people are hearing this on a Tuesday to hang out with us on the pod. It's always good to catch up, brother. Any, any parting thoughts, any parting shots, any advice for the Tennessee Titans trying to win their first division title since 2008 against a quarterback who absolutely savaged them the first time around, even though they got the better of him in overtime? Uh, it's probably a little more serious, but I, I just take myself back to when I was the captain of the team. It just looked like the team wasn't having fun and they weren't playing with the passion that you have to play with on game day. I don't know for whatever reason that game, it didn't, it wasn't there. They were flat, but man, you, you put in the work, you train, and you study all week. It's now time to go have fun and let loose on game day. And, and that's how it should be, man. I, I don't understand why a lot of players are like this in, throughout the whole league. So go out there and have some fun, man, and relax, man, and enjoy yourself. But put in the work. Put in the studying habits, the work to say, hey, we're going to go in here and you play with the confidence that you know that we're going to win this game. Yeah, it's it's a confidence that uh, that you, you sure as hell didn't see last night. One team was having fun. One yeah, team was they were okay, they really were. Uh, and that three hundred pound running back that was not named Derrick Henry seemed to be enjoying himself uh, very much as well. You can uh, get all the confidence, you can get all the analysis, you can get all the fun weekdays one to three p.m. on one zero four five the zone. It's the Blaine and Mickey show with our friend friend Blaine Bishop and our other friend Mickey Ryan. Uh, every uh, every weekday on your radio dial blaine i uh thanks again for hanging out buddy i hope you had a good holidays and i'll uh, I'm, I'm sure i'll talk to you again here soon yep happy holidays everyone thanks buck man back here 615 sessions podcast on the get beast.com zoom line i catch a lot of hell because i sleep too little and I tweet too much, but we've invited the one guest who I think sleeps less and tweets more than me. It's Josh Breslow from WKRN News 2. What's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me here. I mean, who needs sleep anymore? Sleep is not important. It doesn't seem to be. And certainly uh, certainly here in the last uh, last four or five days uh, in the uh, in the news business, not even not even in sports, uh, it, you're always reminded in in my line of work how silly it is what I do for a living when actual real life events happen 
uh, over the course of uh, over the course of your time, and it just it blows me away. And it's unfortunate this this is your first appearance on the podcast for a uh, for a very serious topic that's gone down in Nashville. But since um, you you guys did such a great job reporting out the story of the uh, of the suicide bombing downtown uh, in Nashville that took place on Christmas Day. I felt compelled to talk about it on the podcast because you can't call it the 615 sessions if we don't talk about everything that's happening um, in the city. So by now, people know most of the details. Anthony Warner, the RV on 2nd Avenue, uh, about 6.30 in the morning on Christmas Day. Explosion goes off, takes out so many uh, historic buildings and businesses downtown. The only loss of life at this point uh, to my understanding, is the uh, the suspect Anthony Warner himself. But Josh, I mean, you guys had exhaustive coverage on Channel 2, um, and I was great. I know I and everybody that listens to this podcast and everybody uh, who watches you guys on a regular basis was hugely grateful for how comprehensive the coverage was. But if you can kind of walk people through what your day was like, uh, how this came down, how you found out about it, and, and how you set about the uh, the process of reporting it. Yeah, it was a very strange situation because it's Christmas morning and you think, you know, it's going to be one of those days where there's not a lot of news going on. And we went on at 4 a.m. that morning. We were prepared to do three hours of news. We had a lot of the lighter hearted stories that you don't hear about about enough where you have, you know, people volunteering at soup kitchens and stuff trying to help the homeless. And that's the type of newscast that usually Christmas morning is. I had on a Santa tie at the time. You know, I was just looking forward to a nice, easy day like Christmas is, just wishing people a Merry Christmas. All of a sudden, I would say right before 6.30, we're about to go into our final half hour of news. And all of a sudden, it's, it's hard to describe. It was like a shaking feeling. Um, something just sounded weird. And all of a sudden, the very top of the studio, all the lights start shaking. And it's like a quick motion. It happens. And then it just stops. And the director's in my ear and goes, did you feel that? Did you hear that? What was that? And I look at Mary Mays, who's doing weather with me. And she said, you know, what was that? And I made the joke, we come on air because we have no idea. And I said, it's like Santa just landed on our roof because that's honestly at the time, you think like, that's what it sounds like. This is something I've never experienced before. Mm. So we start looking around, <clears throat> excuse me, at all the cameras that are over there. And we have like a Nissan camera that kind of shows the riverfront. And we start to see there's some smoke that's coming from the downtown area. And we get closer and closer and realize there's something, whatever this was, because we're close to downtown, is what we're looking at here on the camera. We start to see tweets that are coming in from people saying that there's an explosion right there in downtown near Broadway. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we start to realize here from talking to investigators that an RV has exploded. You don't know if that's you know, something that was intentional or if somebody set an RV on fire, if the, the vehicle somehow caught fire and exploded, there's so many questions. And then within, I would say about 30 minutes to an hour after we went on air, we didn't ever leave. We never turned to commercials. We just stayed on, you know, past that final half hour. And then we find out this is an explosion where somebody actually intentionally caused this vehicle to explode. It just, it doesn't make sense and you're just trying to process it all but then we do that extensive coverage all throughout the day as the information just keeps on coming in and we get these little pieces of of nuggets of information each time 
and the extent of it now to find out this is what happened. This guy blew up something in the middle of downtown and tried to warn people to stay away and was playing music. The song downtown that everyone knows from the 1960s, a countdown officers ran, um, into harm's way to try to save people. It's just a lot to process as this is all going on. And we had about 12 hours of coverage. And by the end of it, I went home and just thought, what was this? What happened? It just didn't seem real. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, and you know, people, people don't understand what goes into the coverage of something like that. Hell, I don't understand what goes into the coverage of something like that. Cause I've obviously, thankfully never had to do something like that, but they really seem to appreciate the inside baseball elements of it outside of the actual story itself, because how, how you, how you cover this is hugely important, much less to do it in real time and to react on the fly, because you're in a position where you don't have the ability to process all of the information fully as it's happening. You are reacting live and in person in front of people on television and trying to, you know, rely on journalistic instincts, rely on your instincts as a news anchor. When, when, you start, when you start that story or when you guys start to delve into everything that's coming out of downtown, off 2nd Avenue, from, from Metro Police, then the FBI gets involved, how, how I guess, did you, did you start the description of what had occurred ultimately? Because the, the, the reason I ask that, Josh, is because people, people look at this and think, this is a this is an act of domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the wording has to be so precise from the people delivering the information to the audience. I don't think that necessarily the intricacies of how difficult something like that is, especially as we mentioned in real time, how it is to navigate something like that. Because if you say one one anything that can be construed as opinion and not fact, people lose their minds and it ultimately affects the credibility of the broadcast. You guys navigated that expertly. And I'm hoping that you can kind of help people understand a little bit of how that goes down. Yeah. So, I mean, that is tough. You're right. Because you don't want to say the wrong thing. There are specific uh, definitions for these different words. When you're talking about domestic terrorism, suicide bomber, you have people who are saying, you know, you need to call him a suicide bomber. You need to call him a domestic terrorist, things of that nature. And it is tough because you're processing all the information, as you mentioned, just as it's coming in, as you're hearing this is how you're, you're kind of putting it together and trying to figure out how to word everything. It's, it's tough. But thankfully, I had Bob Mueller, who's there, who is a legend, knows the definition of everything. He knows how everything works. Neil Orne, who knows everything. They've both been here for decades. And it's, you know, I kind of rely on them for that. I hate to say that. I'm still, you know, I've been a journalist now for 12 years. But when you're looking at, you know, how to word everything, I can look at, you know, Webster's Dictionary and see how the terms are, are defined and that sort of thing. But I look to them for that guidance because they can tell me, you know, what are the correct words to say to make sure that you are being careful? And I kind of follow their lead when it comes to things of that nature. I know that's kind of not really the answer you were looking for, but it's basically just, you know, that's that's how I learn is by, you know, speaking to them about it and seeing what their thoughts were. Because at this point, um, the term suicide bomber, you have half people out there who say, well, he's not a suicide bomber because the, you know, Webster's dictionary version of it is, 
that someone else has to die aside from him to be a suicide bomber, which is something I'd never thought of. I thought to me, suicide bomber means somebody who does what he did would be, you know, setting off a bomb, killing himself. And that's a suicide bomber. But yeah, these words and things are just very delicate. Well, and th there's no there's no shame in that at all. In fact, I'm glad you said that because certainly, at, like, in, in, in again, in a much less serious world where I'm trying to figure out how the Titans get a stop on third down, like people just fake their way through the analysis or, uh, you know, gas bag, for lack of a better term, through the coverage of a certain thing, j j trying to cover up that they don't, in fact, have the exact answers or the precision of what is needed to relay the best possible information. So I think that's a really, really important thing that you point out there because we, I, not enough people take, take that time to rely on those, those that they have around them who have more experience in these particular situations and not like any of us have, or any of us have experience with something like this. I mean, this is fortunately not something that happens on a regular basis in Nashville, but I mean, just just the, the I, I can't imagine being in that kind of situation, but outside of the reporting, the story itself, because it's much easier to determine a motive when you're able to talk to the to the the, per, the perpetrator, for lack of a better term. And I want to make sure that I, now that I'm talking about definitions and things of that nature, I want to make sure that I'm using the right words. And now you got me shook. But uh, what, what, uh, what I would say is, there are still so many unknowns with this story. And I saw, I saw what you tweeted out earlier uh, from the, the neighbor of Anthony Warner who spoke to him, who said there was no red flags about this guy. The lone arrest on his record is a pot charge from, 19, from the 1970s. Th th there is still so much to discern a, a, a story that's still evolving and still being processed through. Kind of where, where do we stand right now uh, with all of the events of the last three days at this point in, in this particular case of the, uh, of the RV bomb downtown. So at this point, the real question is because we do know that he is no longer living. He died in that blast. So the question really becomes right now the motive. And it's a question that I hate to say it. We may never actually get the answer to because he's not here to tell us if he left something behind where he documented the reason behind it, you know, that'll provide some answers here, but there's no indication that that's happened. Um, I've posted one article today that discusses the possibility from ABC News saying, you know, what might have happened here. And ABC had spoken with some of those law enforcement officers, uh, you know, that say, basically, you can report this, but I'm not going to give you my name. And we're not going to, you know, publicly say who I am, because I can't, I would lose my job. Sure. Um, saying that, it might have been related to his paranoia over 5G. And obviously a lot of us have, you know, heard of 5G. We know that there are people that, you know, think one way about it and think that it could be listening in on them and things of that nature. So the law enforcement um, people who are kind of, um, I guess they know about the inner workings of this, they have a suspicion that it's related to that. Now, I don't know if that's because they have seen some kind of document that he wrote or anything of that nature. But really what we have now are just whatever's left behind from interactions with a neighbor who says, the one neighbor in that article had said that he had spoken to him, I guess the 21st, and he said something like, you know, Nashville will remember me and the world will remember me, they won't forget me. And 
it's haunting because we may never know why he did it. And that's the big question right now is just the motive behind such a horrible attack. Thankfully, other than him, there was no loss of life. There's huge damage to downtown Nashville and all those businesses that already had issues because of COVID and had been kind of, you know, limited to, you know, how many people they could have inside the businesses and their sales were down. And now many of them are just destroyed. So I guess it's not really just about the motive. It's also, you know, how do these businesses rebuild with what has happened here? Well, that's and that's the thing that much like the, the situation uh, with with the bombing itself, we, we just don't know how how people will proceed, because in I mean, in the in 2020, thank God, it's the last week of 2020. Uh, just, just enough of this yeah. year already. I mean, good God. Uh, but there is so much uncertainty moving forward. We, we know that Nashville will rebound. It has shown it has been a difficult year for everybody, but through the tornado, through COVID, through now. This, uh, this latest tragedy, there will be uh, a show of strength. And, and I think everybody has a confidence in that. But how, how you get there is an entirely uh, different matter unto itself. I feel like we've done a super serious interview. I hate for your uh, first appearance to have been so super serious, but you're an actual journalist. I'm just a gas bag in front of a microphone. So I got to ask you a couple questions. I got to ask you a couple questions about one, what the hell are you doing sending me emails at 2 a.m. in the morning? Like hey. who? Who gets up that early? In what world? I, I get that. I get that. Uh, morning, morning news anchors. You guys have ungodly hours, but two a.m. Josh. I know, that was actually after I already been awake for about thirty minutes. My alarm goes off at one thirty every morning, which oh. makes you look pale and tired. It's just who I am now. No, but I, I got. But <laughs> you, you don't look pale and tired. And this is the thing that I. This is re- really where I'm trying to lead you because I have been. I have been taking heavy fire now that they put this podcast on YouTube for uh, for the visual component of it. I've been under I've been getting heat about bags under my eyes and you know how I'm how I'm aging in front of the camera. It's been five years, but apparently I'm looking much older uh, than I did when we started this whole thing. What what tips do you have for me about how I look better on camera? Do you do you use makeup? Do you have any tricks that you employ? Because the first time I did a a sports extra hit with Corey Curtis, that was actually the first person to show me how to apply makeup. And I'm wondering, am I in need of this now? I need I need tips from a morning uh, morning news anchor to help me better the product around here. Well, what's funny is Corey is actually the king of makeup. When I think <laughs> of who I want to teach me how to wear makeup, it would be Corey Curtis. Yeah. yeah, so I actually, funny story dating back, it's not really that funny, 12 years to when I first started in TV, I used to have to have um, my female coworkers put my makeup on for me because I couldn't figure out how to do it. Now I'm an expert. Like sure. we go on at four o'clock, three I'll realize what time it is and I'll just knock everything over and just, you know, paint it on. So, you know, a little makeup never hurt anyone. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I'm not opposed to the makeup at all. I'm just wondering, like my girlfriend's having me freeze spoons and then put them under my eyes because it helps get rid of bags. Like I'm, I'm trying to employ as many different, uh, as many different tricks of the trade as I can to make me look less terrible on camera. Now that I have to spend more and more time in front of one. Hey, the the cold spoons or whatever. I've never done it, but I hear it's a good, uh, okay. good time, and it works. So that's just one way to do it. Also, I find that it really helps to look more awake by just sleeping about like two hours a night. Like that's all you need. Is that how much you sleep? 
Well, usually I can fall asleep by like 10 and I get up at 1.30. So that's a good, what, three and a half? Oh God, it just, it hurts my soul. Like I'm, I, I probably, I'm probably getting about six and a half on a nightly basis, but three is just, I mean, how do you, how do you survive that way? I mean, I don't think I'm really surviving if, if we're being honest. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting by, barely. Well, you guys, you listen. Uh, we are grateful for your for your for your inability to sleep and for the uh, the exhaustive coverage, literally exhaustive coverage, that you provide to people here in Nashville. Josh Breslow, WKRN News Two. You can follow him on social media at Josh Breslow WKRN, and he will keep you informed on all things going on in Nashville. This this uh, this tragedy that has happened to us. Uh, on Christmas Day, they did an exceptional job, 12 hours of comprehensive coverage, uh, and my man was a part of every last second of it, for better or worse, for his own well-being. Josh, I really appreciate you stopping by. I, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to make it up to you somehow and have you back for something not, not as serious as a car bombing downtown uh, so we could have a little more fun with it. But uh, it was really, really good to catch up and good to digitally meet you for the first time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Five good minutes on a Tuesday. It's coming up here in just a second. And we're going to take a little bit of a different angle, given that it's been a little different of a podcast. I know we talked with Josh about what went down in Nashville over the weekend, but I want to talk about Nashville itself. We're going to spend some time on that and what I've learned over the past five years of living here and how that's kind of been reiterated to me. It's certainly in the last 10 months or so for everything that we've had to gone through. What I'll tell you first is about our friends at Tame the Beast, who present the Zoom line here on the 615 Sessions podcast, and who also provide to you great personal care and grooming products for 20% off using the promo code BEAST2020. The holidays, they might be over. We are getting closer to New Year's, and it's not too late to give the gift of new scent for the new year. New grooming habits, new skincare routines, new things that can be started that make you feel like you've got a fresh start, like the Tingle Shampoo. I use the Tingle Shampoo every morning. Well, not every morning, but three days a week. I don't want my hair to fall out because I'm washing my hair too much. But Tingle Shampoo is what I use because it helps pick me up, helps get me going because it's got caffeine, ginseng, great things from the earth that's good for your scalp and your skin. That's what they provide to you at Tame the Beast. Head to GetBeast.com. Order yourself a Beast Box for a variety of their different personal care and grooming products. You can customize your own, or you can pick out one of the ones that they've built for you themselves. Just make sure you save some cash with that promo code BEAST2020. It's all available to you at GetBeast.com. Five good minutes. I was thinking about how I wanted to approach this this week, because it's just been... So much bad, and it's ironic that this segment is called Five Good Minutes. So I wanted to find a way. Uplifting is not really my strength. (laughs) I've never been a, a hugely positive person, but I felt I felt an overwhelming sense of pride, of passion, of just a need to try and verbalize as best I can what this city means to me, even as somebody who is not a native. 
I wasn't born here. I'm not from Tennessee. You guys know this, but you've accepted me here anyway. This is a place that I consider my home. You, I consider my people. I hope that I, I hope that I am your people because you are my people. And I've been so grateful to you over the past five years that I've been living here because it's, it's felt like home. It is my home. It will always be my home. And what we talked about with Josh in the last segment was an act of domestic terrorism in our city that the motives, as we talked about, we, we may never know because the person who committed this just despicable act is not available to answer those questions, having essentially committed suicide in the midst of this act of domestic terrorism. And so now we look at ourselves, and I'm, I've been getting calls, I've been getting texts, I've been getting emails from people across the country, hell, from my relatives overseas. This made international news, this bombing that went down in Nashville on Christmas Day. People reaching out and essentially wanting to check on me, to check on us as a city because of all the hell that we've been through this year. And the thing that I came away thinking from all of those people and the kindness that was a result of that is, listen, we're fine here. Like, thank you for thank you for your support, but do not pity us as a city. And I hope that when I say us, you don't take that as, as me trying to pose as a native. That's not what this is at all. I just, I love this place, and I love you guys, and I love everything that this city has brought me. I love this city so damn much. And so I don't accept people pitying us because I know that we have shown more strength than just about any place in the country this year. It has been so bad through the tornado and COVID and the bombing and everything that has happened in between. I know you guys know this and it's just, I, I, I say it out loud to remind me that it hasn't happened over the course of a decade because this year has felt like 10. But I have been so proud of the strength that we have continued to show as a community. And I am here to tell you, and maybe you don't need to be told, because I felt like I didn't need to be told, but I felt so passionate and so strongly about this that I felt it needed to be reiterated. We're going to be just fine. It doesn't matter what natural disasters, what biological disasters, what acts of pure and total evil people try to commit against us as a community. We are bigger, we are badder, we are better than any of these problems. And the best part of what makes Nashville so special, what makes this community so special, is that we do it together. We do it together. That's such a, such a, some things you take for granted in that way. And maybe I've taken it for granted the past five years in this, <laughs> this hellish 2020 has just made me appreciate it even more. <laughs> All I know is you guys are going to be here uh, for me. I'm always going to be here for you. We're going to be here for each other, no matter what happens to us. And we're going to do it with smiles on our faces. And, uh, you know, not to be cheesy, but music in our hearts, baby. Music City, it's a real thing. And I, I, 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to land the plane on this. Just, uh, just know that I'm thinking about each and every one of you, um, and I'm grateful for those of you who have been a part of my life over these past five years, and I'm grateful for those of you that have made me feel the sense of community that I, uh, that I probably poorly tried to verbalize here. Five good minutes on a Tuesday, the 615 Sessions podcast. We have another show to do. We will come to you on New Year's Eve, and we will give you great insight and analysis about Week 17 heading into Houston. We'll talk about Jeremy Pruitt and his status with the Vols. We've got a lot of great conversations, a lot of great guests on the horizon, not just to close out 2020 strong, but to bring it to you even better in 2021. We will do all of those things over the course of this week. But in order to make these things possible, you got to support the people that support this show. Two Rivers Ford and Tame the Beast, great local businesses that provide exceptional service to you when it comes to a new or pre-owned vehicle or personal care and grooming products. You know that they will hook you up the same way they hook me up. All I know is in the meantime, I need you to stay safe. Please, please, please stay safe. Stay clean and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by Two Rivers Ford, and it is brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Thank you.